Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. I'll we'll spend some time this morning um, focusing on just a pretty simple text that uh, plays out difficultly in our daily lives. I'm hopeful that um, this year uh, we would remain present in the Lord and present as He's working in us. And so um, I like to um, work through themes. I like to have themes for uh, daily life, but also themes for the year. Um, we have a theme in our home on Mondays. It's called No Media Monday. Our kids love it. So no TV, no um, no uh, Netflix, no social media for Mandy, um, you know, things like that. Uh, no Media Monday. It's awesome. So you got to read a book or you got to tell jokes to one another and laugh at each other or it usually ends up fighting one another. That's usually what it ends up at. So uh, Tuesday's a better theme. It kind of um, kind of helps with uh, how Monday was terrible. And Tuesday, you guys all know it, it's Taco Tuesday. And so, uh, so that usually helps everything because tacos, like Jesus, just kind of solve the world's problems. So, um, so themes like that. Um, I had a friend who was a youth pastor at First Baptist Church in La Mesa, and he decided one year that he would uh, his year would be the year of T-shirts. His theme would be the year of T-shirts, and he wore a different T-shirt every day. What I mean is 365 different T-shirts. So he um, he asked friends for some some extra T-shirts, and he decided he was going to wear a different T-shirt every day. Um, so our theme for this year is not to wear a different T-shirt every day, though I hope some of you do change every now and then. Um, but that's not our theme. Our theme for the year will be uh, is be present. We'll talk a little bit more about this next week, but um, I kind of want to give you a little uh, trailer for this, or a little preview of this be present stuff, and then talk more next week at our State of the Unity address, and also uh, next Sunday evening as we meet just to talk about vision and direction for. Uh, for First Baptist Lovington. So anyways, be present. Um, we've talked a little bit about this um, with our deacons and, and um, pastors, and then also on a Sunday night just a few weeks ago, we talked about the theme of being present. But you know how it is. Like right now, you're already thinking about what's next. Maybe you already looked at your watch and decided to think it's 11.15. What do I have going on next? Maybe you've already looked at your calendar and you know that there are many things ahead of us. Um, you're already thinking about what to do. Maybe you're a school teacher and you're thinking about tomorrow, how dreaded the day is. Or maybe you're just a graphic designer for the junior college and thinking about how you have to go back to work tomorrow. Uh, you just think through those things. We live in this fast-paced culture, faster than I'm speaking right now, fast-paced culture. And we live in this uh, culture where we're just moving on from the next thing to the next thing to the next thing. We joke in ministry and talk about how we're always broken, but yet we never have any breaks. Are always breaking, but no actual breaks. Uh, you're always moving from one thing to the next thing, to the next thing, to the next thing. And that tends to hinder us from actually being present. You know this. You've seen this. Uh, I got to, We got to watch this, my kids and I and Mandy. Uh, she's not one of my kids, but you know who I'm talking about. We got to see this at my parents' house last week uh, during Christmas vacation when my mom is talking to my dad, and my dad is there, but he's not actually present. You know what I'm saying? Like his mind is elsewhere. And so then you have to get his attention. Hey, Dad, or hey, Mom, or my mom's yelling at him. Hey, husband, hey, Rex, listen, listen. You're not, you're not, where are you right now? You're not here. No, I'm here. No, no, you're, you're not fully here. You're not totally, you're not totally present. And so I, I want our theme this year as folks who, um, who are obedient to Christ, who want to abide in Jesus, to, to truly be present. Not necessarily living in the past. We'll talk more about this in just a moment. Not living in the past, nor the future, but allowing Christ to use us right now in this very moment. And I think when we focus in on that this year, my hope is this, that we'll see um, Christ even using 
times like this as our worship time, that we would be present and prepared to worship Christ and Christ alone. Think about maybe you've been to a sporting event, maybe like a baseball game or a football game. Maybe it was the Wildcats here, or maybe you went to some professional sports team like the Texas Rangers. Zach doesn't think they're professional, but they are. Um, just be, their record doesn't show that, but they are. They do get paid, and so um, so you go to this you go to this sporting event, and um, there's not really a lot of preparation that goes on in you to be there. Maybe you've purchased tickets. Maybe you've purchased a parking pass. Maybe you've painted your face up a little bit. Maybe you have the right jersey on from that player that you used to love when you were growing up as a kid and you still have that. It's faded. It doesn't fit anymore, but you still wear it. And that's how you prepared to go to that game and be entertained and be satisfied in a win or a loss and a hot dog and a nacho or whatever the case may be. But there wasn't a lot of preparation going in to attending that game. And the same with, think about the players, how much preparation is actually happening for them. They're going not to just attend, to watch, to be entertained. They're going to be actively involved in the event that's happening. And so their preparation is a lot more. Maybe they're wearing the same jersey as you. Maybe their face is painted also. Maybe they love nachos just as much as you do. But their preparation for that event was so much more different. You were both present, but one was actively involved in the things that were going on. We treat church and worship, particularly our worship gathering, too much like that sporting event where we paint our faces, we grab old clothes that we've been wearing for years now to Sunday morning, and we put those things on. And I'm talking about myself. We put those things on to go and attend a time together that we hope that we're satisfied we hope that there's some good nachos. We hope that we're entertained. We hope the pastor hits it out of the park. We hope those things. We so desperately hope those things. But there hasn't been really any real preparation in us to be actively involved in the worship of Jesus. And so my hope this, this year would be that Sunday mornings wouldn't just be about your attending, but it would be about you actively being involved and being present in our worship gathering, and who we're worshiping, being prepared for that. Lord, help me, help me, not to make this time about myself, but let me be prepared, let my heart be prepared, let my mind be prepared, let my soul be prepared for what you're going to do in me, and then walk in that obediently because of who you are. So Romans chapter 12 starting in verse 1. I'm going to make it real simple for you this morning. That's my hope. I don't want to complicate your life. It's already complicated enough. As I look at the gray in my beard, I'm reminding of that every day, how life just gets more and more complicated and how I uh, get more and more exhausted. I'm trying to chase uh, my wife around. I just get exhausted going back and forth to Cloudcroft and whatnot. And I just realized, man, life is just so complicated. So I want to make things simple for you like the gospel. Romans chapter 12 you needed to have, have already done homework in preparation for this. So I'm hoping you already read chapters 1 through 11. And if you didn't, that's your homework for the week. All right? Romans chapter 12. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. So Paul, thankfully, does something really good for us. He points us to, you know how it's uh, January 2020? Do you know that already? Last year is gone and it's a new year. Uh, and Paul doesn't just point us to a to-do list. There is a to-do list in Romans chapter 12, 
at the end of the chapter. But he doesn't just start with the to-do list. He doesn't just start with go and change your life. Go and be better. Go and better yourself. Pull your bootstraps up and do things. No, he starts with the mercies of the mercies of God. I'm hoping that you're already familiar with the mercies of God, but if you're not, I do want to point out a couple of things. Lamentations tells us, and I'm going to read it for you, that God's mercy, this is Lamentations 3, verses 22 through 24, that God's mercy is new every morning. This, verse 22 of Lamentations 3 says this, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases, so it never stops. His mercies never come to an end. They never have a stop either. Not like 2019 that came to an end. Not like today that will come to an end. No, God's love and his mercy never ends. And the cool thing about God's mercy, the author continues in verse 23, they are new every morning. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. His steadfast love and his mercy is new every morning. When Paul tells us, that he's appealing to us by the mercies of God. He's not talking about a recycled or regifted mercy. You know that, right? Not a refurbished mercy. I'm going to take my old mercies from yesterday, children, and I'm going to refurbish them with some cool paint, and I'm going to even sand it a little bit to make it look hip and cool so that you know that it's new, yet it's still old. I'm just going to refurbish it for you. No, the promise of God is that this mercy that he's given to us is a new, refreshed mercy for us to walk in today. Again, not a recycled mercy. Do you catch this? Not something that he said, you know what, I used this on Caden one time and it worked for a little bit, so I'm going to try it on Josh and see if it'll work too. Josh, congratulations, God has just given you recycled mercy. And Josh is like, I love recycled things. And his wife says, yeah, I wish you would be recycled and refreshed and renewed. No, this is not how God's mercy is working. He's giving us new mercy today. This is a God who's actively involved in us. He's not saying, I want you just to dwell in the past, in the past completed work, hang out in that, dwell in that, but know that today that I'm a God who's actively involved and wants an intimate relationship with you, so much so that I will give you new mercy and new steadfast love this very morning. And as the sun rises, and we are reminded of this, it's the old sun. You know it's the old sun. It's been around before. We saw it yesterday. In fact, I watched it set yesterday. And we think the same thing. And then we start looking at the sunrise. And we say, yeah, I did see it yesterday. But there's something different about it. There's a different feel about this sunrise. It looks similar to yesterday. But it's not exactly, it's not exactly the same. And, I, and I, pick, I put that in my mind. And I say, what a great reminder of the new mercy today. Though it looks similar to yesterday's mercy God is not recycling a sunrise for me, but instead, instead, he's reminding me of his mercy. What is this mercy that would fuel us to be present, to be obedient to him, to do what Paul tells us here in a moment? Well, ultimately, the mercy is that we have been separated because of our sin from God, and we deserve the wrath of God. We deserve death. We don't deserve to see a sunrise to catch our breath, to live another day. We for sure don't deserve or are worthy enough of heaven, 
of living with God for eternity. We are not worthy enough to be in His presence. We are not good enough, nor will we we ever be good enough. We shouldn't ever see the glory of the Lord. We should always remain veiled, right, Zach? We should always remain veiled, never being able to fully see the glory of the Lord. But instead, God acts out of His mercy removes the veil, shows us His Son, as Zach preached the past two weeks, shows us His Son, the glory of the Lord, and pours on us, lavishes upon us. We've used the example before. Pancakes, flapjacks, and the syrup pouring over and over, lavishing upon us His steadfast love and His mercy. Overflowing on us. And this is what we, this is what we get to walk in. The mercies of God. For a moment, it happens to me every day, multiple times a day. I I said that. I'm embarrassed by it. Throw it away in the garbage, please. But multiple times a day, I say to myself, I'm so worthy of God's mercy. God, why am I being treated this way? Like, you know how good I am. See how well I do things. I'm a great father. These kids don't even know. I'm the best husband Mandy has ever and will ever have. And I say those things. And then God in his mercy reprimands me, convicts me, disciplines me, and reminds me, I'm not. I'm not worthy of that. And then I move to tears as Psalm 42 says. And I think about as a deer panting for water, so my soul should be longing for the Lord and his mercy. And then I say, what's next, Lord? What's next? And that's where we get to what Paul says here. Therefore, because of the mercies of God, We should present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is our spiritual worship. You know, at the end of that sentence, we cannot be holy and acceptable to God if it were not for the mercies of God given to us through His Son, the ultimate sacrifice. His blood, His sacrifice, His resurrection from the grave makes us holy and righteous. He takes our place. The wrath of God is poured out upon Him. He takes our place. And so in that, we say we will be obedient And in our obedience, we we confess you as Lord. We say that with our mouth, but we also actively and obediently surrender completely to you and say, I will present my whole entire life to you as a living sacrifice to be present, to present, to say, here I am, here I am, Lord, all of me, mind, soul, body, heart, every bit of me, here I am, ready to be used by you. When we say we put our yes on the table, what we mean by that, or what we ultimately want to mean by that is not just the words, yes, I confess you as Lord, but our entire, our entire lives. We got a table down here that used to be decorated, full of great things that Sue put together for us. Great, uh, great little, uh, uh, you know, things to look at and, and to, uh, to be reminded of the gifts that the Lord has given to us and the gift of us being a blessing to others. And now the table is Mark, what did you say? Bland. It's empty. And we have a desire, do you not, to look at this table and say, let's put something on it. Let's put something on this table. Let's cover, cover it up. Well, Paul is saying, saying to us, what are we going to put on the table? Is it just a yes? Is it just words? Or is it our entire, is it our entire life? So we're, we're going to be present people, presenting every day, Lord, I am present I'm ready to be used by you today. 
Hebrews chapter 10, verses 35 through the end of the chapter, verse 39. There's this great story or this great um, little illustration that the author of Hebrews talks about. He uses this Greek word hupostello, uh, which means um, to not shrink back, to not lower the sail. I've told you this before, that the sail would be raised. You're on a ship or a, a sailboat. The sail would be raised, and you would be willing to let the wind take your sailboat wherever it would go. And the author of Hebrews is saying, we're not people who shrink back, who lower the sail, and thus are destroyed. But instead we have faith and we persevere. We let the wind take us. We sit on the boat and we say, Lord, use your mighty wind and blow us wherever you desire for us to go. I want to put my yes and my whole life on the table that you might use me for, that you might use me for your glory. I want to point out a couple of things. When we say that we are going to be present with present saying we're presently with the Lord and we want to be presently being used by the Lord we are being present when we say that when the author when uh, Paul says this that we would present our bodies literally that word to present means to say here I am standing beside you ready to be used by you I've been placing myself myself beside or near you I'm set at hand I'm a person who's willing to be used at your disposal I'm willing to be used at your disposal that sounds weird. Sounds like you're garbage. It's not the case because we're reminded. How do we know you're not garbage? Because of what Paul said in the beginning, because of the mercies of God, because you can be holy and righteous, because you can be clothed in Christ's righteousness, because, because he has made the sacrifice for you because of his mercy. So we're not garbage. We're not saying I'm ready to be used for your disposal. Just throw me away. But instead we remember that we are vessels being used by him, ambassadors, ministers of reconciliation, that God is making his appeal to the world through us. And if we're only hanging out in the past, or only thinking about the future, presently, the Lord, who desires to use us to appeal to the world right now, right now, when we're not, when we're not being present, when we're not saying, Lord, use me as a vessel, when we're not saying, uh, Lord, when we're hanging out in those other places, we're not being the living sacrifice. Instead, we're hanging out, really, we're hanging out as garbage or in death. So we don't want to worry about or think about, even as a church, who used to be here or even who might be here, but currently who is here or presently who is here. And mostly, ultimately, we're talking about Jesus. I ask the question in counseling all the time, where's God right now? And in the midst of sorrow, in the midst of grief, in the midst of fiery trials, sometimes we have a hard time answering that question. Where's God? Well, I know the Bible says, or where's Jesus? Well, I know the Bible says that he's seated at the right hand of God. I know these things, but in my feelings of distress, in my emotions of sorrow, in my lack of joy, I'm having trouble deciding where God is right now. Well, we want to bask in his presence. We want to know and trust in his promises that he will never leave us nor forsake us. In Acts chapter 1, when, when Christ ascended into heaven, the disciples stood in awe. Where did Christ go? Did he not promise us that he would be with us? He would be beside us? Did he not promise the same thing, that he would be present with us? And yet it seems as if he is gone. Our worship gathering should be focused in on the fact that God is here, that he has left us his Holy Spirit. That he's using his Holy Spirit to work in us, through us, 
to point others as guides to the glory of Christ. We get to do this. We got to do this this week uh, with funerals that we attended, funerals that we preached at, funerals that we fed people at. We get to point people to the hope, to the mercies of to the mercies of God in, in spite of the trials, the fire trials or the trauma that we that we go to. So we're not going to focus in on who's not here or who was here, but who is here presently. Christ is here presently. We focus in on him. If you're going to dwell in the past, let your dwelling be in the past work of Jesus. Man, no one said amen to that. Here, let me start over. If you're going to dwell in the past, let it be in the past work of Jesus. Thank you. If you're going to dwell in the future, let it be in the future work of Jesus. And if you're going to be present and dwell in the present, let it be in the present work of Jesus. Not trusting in our own work or what we think we can do, but instead trusting wholeheartedly in the work of Jesus. Letting our yes and our lives be placed on the table. We come empty, basically. Saying, here I am, empty. Fill me with you that I might be used by you. Fill me with you. My initials are empty. So I'm reminded about this every day. M-T. I'm reminded that my life is empty every day. It needs to be filled with Jesus every day. See how simple I am? You can praise me for that. I'll take that. That's fine. Christian, what if you said today, Lord, my yes is on the table and my life as a living sacrifice is on the table today to be used by you in this moment and the moments to come? What would your life look like? Instead of letting your life be decided and your actions to be decided by health, wealth, fame, security, comfort, what if you said today, I've called you, Lord, and so I want you to be, Lord. I've called you, Lord. You are Lord of my life. I said it with my, with my mouth. And today I want to say I want to, I'm a living sacrifice. Here I am presenting my entire life to you. I want to abide in you. I want to be obedient to you. I want you to sustain me, Lord, to fill me. That fruit might be, that much fruit might be being produced so that your name may be glorified in all the earth. Not my own, but your name might be glorified. When we place ourselves on the table... Basically, we're saying this, that there's some work that needs to be done in my life that I cannot, I cannot do. When we say that we are presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice to the Lord so that we can work in this or act in this spiritual worship, we're saying there's work that needs to be done in me that I cannot do. I worked with a, a worship pastor one time, and I think Brian's the same way, so I'm not pointing out Brian, if you know, uh, as I tell the story. But I worked with a worship pastor one time that uh, bragged about cutting his own hair, and he looked like Albert Einstein. He had the hair of Albert Einstein. Can you guys tell that I cut my own hair? Yes, we can. We can tell that you cut your own hair. Yeah, isn't it awesome? No, it's not. It's not awesome at all. We can tell that you cut your own hair. Please, go sit in somebody else's chair. Let them cut your hair. We will all be happy. Albert Einstein. Can you imagine um, if you uh, performed your own heart surgery? Place yourself on the table. Hey, I watched a YouTube video about this. And I'm pretty sure I can, I can handle what's about to happen. I watched a YouTube video one time. I had this cool little red uh, 
2003 Ford Explorer that the uh, that the heater and air conditioner wasn't working well, and so I uh, YouTubed how to fix it, and uh, I got this YouTube video of a guy from Minnesota, which you guys may know him, uh, and he uh, kept talking about the problem was your actuator, and uh, so I go to to O'Reilly's and I say, hey, uh, the guy tells me that my problem is my actuator, and I just I. I could only, because I watched the YouTube video, I could only pronounce it that way for a long time. In the same... Anyways, I did not fix it. You can ask Zach. He drove it. I did not fix the actuator. The YouTube video was good, and it's fun to laugh about. But I needed somebody else to work on to work on that. My car needed to be placed on the table, and someone more knowledgeable, someone who has better experience, someone who has all knowledge of actuators should have been working on it. When we present ourselves as a living sacrifice, we are saying, I'm putting my life on the table because I know I have a heart issue. I know I have a mind issue. I know I have a soul issue. And I cannot work on those things. I can watch YouTube all day long. And I can think that I can. And I can read great books. And I think that I can work on my heart and and fix it. And I can work on my soul and fix it. And I can work on my mind and fix it. But Lord Jesus... At the end of the day, I'm exhausted, and I'm the same, and I don't know why. And then we read verse 2 of Romans chapter 12. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. We want to know these things. Lord, what is your will? What pleases you? We want to know those things. And so we place ourselves on the table and do our own operations. We watch YouTube videos and think that we can fix all of this. When the truth is that we need to present ourselves to the Lord as a living sacrifice and allow Him to do the work. Allow Him to do the transforming. When we watch YouTube videos about actuators and we receive worldly advice, We conform to those things. I was making a point about saying actuator. We conform to the pattern of the world. Christ did not come that we would conform to the pattern of this world. Because the pattern of this world is death and destruction. The pattern of this world is the wrath of God. We didn't, He didn't come to pattern us after that. He came to set a new pattern to transform to give us new mercy and new steadfast love that we might abide in that, that we might dwell in that instead of the old, the old. Presenting our lives on the table as a living sacrifice says, this is not about me. Transform me. The things I have no control over, the things that I think that I have control over, Lord, change those things. The things that I'm controlling too much, change those things. Transform it. My mind, my heart, my soul. Let me present my life in a small act of what I feel that I have power over. Let me present my life to you as a living sacrifice. And Lord, do the work in me that I want to have so much control over. But Lord, do the work in me so that you might be glorified. Because this is what happens. When we are no longer conformed to the pattern of the world, people wonder, why are you blessing instead of cursing? Why are you praying instead of, why are you praying for people instead of just hating them? Why do you desire to show steadfast love? Why do you want to foster or adopt or stay faithful? 
Why do you want to? Why, why are you doing these things? The mercies of God. I presented my life as a living sacrifice to God. I said my yes on the table and my whole life on the table. And with that, with that, God is transforming me through his mercy, through the work of his son, that I may no longer be me, but instead that he might be glorified. Offering myself as a sacrifice screams loudly, louder than any of my children, screams loudly, it is not about me. Not my will be done, but someone else's. And that will being the will of Jesus. Today, tomorrow, in three minutes, when we say present your life to the Lord, place your life on the table, it's bland, put something else on there, my life on the table. We're saying it's not my will to be done, but your will to be done. When our heart is being changed, our mind is being renewed. Our purpose is changing. And then in that church, just a small side note here, when you continue to read Romans chapter 12, and you move to verses 3 through 8, when individuals are placing their lives upon the table as living sacrifices, and a renewal of your mind, a transformation is happening in your life, no longer conforming to the pattern of this world, you can read for yourself, the church begins to be one. Unity happens. One body, one Lord, one another, glorifying Christ. Present because the Lord is present, dwelling in the present work of the Lord, dwelling in the future work of the Lord, dwelling in the past work of the Lord, saying, today I'm a living sacrifice for you. Let me be used by you. Lives on the altar, your life on the altar, will lead to the glorification of Christ, will lead to the unity of the church, will lead to Christ being exalted among all the nations. My hope for us as a church, my hope for us as individuals, my hope for my own self, is that I don't wait till next Sunday to say, here I am again, Lord. But instead, every moment... Lord, here I am as a living sacrifice to be used by you. My life on the table. My yes, Lord, my life on the table, all for your, for your glory. I love how one author, and I'm going to end by reading this. I love how one author and pastor, theologian, interprets Romans 12, 1 and 2. Read it for you. He says this. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. I want you to take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping. You're eating. You're going to work and you're walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. But instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed then from the inside out. Readily recognize when he wants what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-informed maturity in you. And the only way that we can be mature, faithful followers of Jesus is for Jesus to be doing the mature work, the infinite, everlasting work that only He can do 
transforming us not into a new me, but instead transforming us into him, that he might receive all glory, because he is the only one worthy of that. By the mercies of God this morning, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, to present to to our God your life as a living sacrifice. Let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, it seems silly to say this out loud, sitting behind this pulpit, but we are immature, we are weak, we are selfish, and yet you are slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, providing us mercy, a mercy that will never cease. And so God, help us this morning as we worship you in song, in step, in work, in prayer, in obedience, in sleeping, in eating, in being friends, family, in everything that we do. God, as we desire to present our life as a living sacrifice to you, not that we would glorify ourselves, God, but instead, God, that the work that you're doing might be seen so that you might be glorified. God, remind us of our unworthiness, of your love, and then quickly, Lord, because we are weak, remind us of your mercy through your son Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.